What's going on, Wildcatters? It's Jake Corley here with Digital Wildcatters and want to give you guys a quick update. Six years ago, Colin and I came up with the idea of bringing a South by Southwest style event of energy to Houston. And this October, we're manifesting this dream into reality. Is it a crazy idea? Absolutely. Because our mission of Fuse is to bring together the builders and the innovators in energy that are transforming how we produce, distribute, and store energy. But in order to do that, we have to bring together all subsectors of energy, oil and gas, renewables, hydrogen, nuclear, geothermal, utilities, and battery technology. This is unlike anything the world has ever seen before. And on top of that, we're taking over five city blocks in East Downtown Houston, four stages with three content tracks, seven venues, and expecting north of 2,000 attendees. If you're looking to showcase your technology, we've got expo space for about 100 companies, as well as the opportunity to demo your tech live on stage. Come join us October 26th and 27th here in Houston to experience more opportunities for networking, learning, brainstorming, and career-changing connections than ever before at Fuse 22. Tickets are now on sale at digitalwildcatters.com forward slash Fuse, F-U-Z-E. This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. we got a great show today with the co-founders, Samra and Vinay from Wellworth. How are y'all doing today? We're doing well, thank doing you. Doing good. Yes. Cool, yeah. So this episode is interesting to me and um, you know, I'm curious about the space because there's a lot happening in oil and gas and energy finance. And we're gonna get into y'all's story here in a minute, but from what I talked to y'all, you know, you come from a background in finance and then saw all the problems that they dealt with at investment banks. And so um, I've seen some other com companies popping up in the space as well. So it definitely seems that uh, there's some positive signal here. So I think it's going to be a good show. First, you know, tell me high level, what is Wellworth? What do you guys do? Yeah, so uh, Wellworth is a cloud-based application for finance and strategy teams in upstream oil and gas. So it integrates asset level reserves modeling with corporate level financial modeling. Okay. So um, finance teams can um, either do reserves modeling in Wellworth or bring in their reserves data from engineering applications. And then Wellworth automatically generates financial statements based on that data. And then on top of that, users can model corporate items like GNA, hedges, RBL, revolver, debt investment, equity investment. Mm -hmm. and just build, build out a corporate model. So now the finance teams have access to asset level assumptions as well. So they can flex asset level assumptions like price tech, field development plan, B&A scheduling, uh, production risking, and immediately see the impact on the corporate side. So they can see the impact to the full cycle economics, uh, current capital structure, or future financing needs. Okay. So I'm going to have a lot of stupid questions because I want to learn about the pain points of this industry. Yeah. Um, but first, before we do that, let's talk about y'all's backgrounds. So whichever one of y'all wants to start. Okay, um, I have a background in upstream oil and gas, equity research and investment banking. I okay. was previously uh, initially with Raymond James, mm -hmm. um, then KLR Group and Intrepid Financial Partners, and then decided to start work on Wellworth. So 
you spent your career in investment banking. Yes, modeling. Okay, so modeling. So <laughs> you're modeling and making PowerPoints. Yes. All your life. That's what your life consisted <laughs> <Yeah>. of. <laughs> and what about you? Uh, my background is in enterprise technology. I've been in that space for about seven, eight years before Wellworth. Okay. And uh, around the time when we started talking about Wellworth, I decided to go to Rice University for my MBA. Uh, focused on entrepreneurship. They have a really good entrepreneurship setup. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated in 2019. And since then, I've been working on Wellworth full-time. How did y'all meet each other? We married to each other. Oh, y'all are married. I didn't know yes. that. That's awesome. <laughs> that's really interesting. So my wife is actually a co-founder of Digital Wildcatters oh, as it? well. So that's very uh, that's, awesome. that's very unique. May have to record a whole other podcast on that sometime. So yeah. that's awesome. I didn't know y'all were married to each other. So, yeah. okay, cool. Um, so enterprise software, right? Uh -huh. um, are you developer? Were you actually building software? What, what was your role? Well, before that? Velvet, the last time I wrote code as part of my job was, I think, back in 2010. Okay. Uh, but then my last job was with an analytics startup and uh, the culture and my team's uh, interest in technology really rubbed off on me. And around the same time, we started uh, talking about, you know, how this is a problem. And I said, we can take a shot at it. And that's when I started ramping up my tech skills. And now on Wellworth, I'm handling most of the tech side of it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to talk about first identifying the problem and the pain point. Um, you know, I don't come from finance. So I've never worked in an investment mm -hmm. bank um, and haven't done it in energy. So tell me about when you started first developing or start realizing the problem and then thinking about a solution for that. How did that like really come about? So um, while I was, I guess, both in re equity research and investment banking, I was doing a lot of modeling. And so we realized three, three main problems in the industry. So there's all of these different players in upstream oil and gas. Like you have operating companies, investment banks, BE firms, minerals firms, consulting firms. Everybody is trying to do the same thing um, in terms of modeling, but doing it in their own silos, in their own Excel-based models, which look very similar, but they are structurally slightly different. So um, the main problem that we saw with the industry was that there's always an engineering team in all of these firms and a finance team, whether you have an in-house engineering team or it's outsourced. Um, but the engineering teams always have bespoke applications. Like they have a bunch of options to choose from and they have their workflow automated. But the finance teams are always doing their modeling in Excel. And that is a problem because, you know, it's a love-hate relationship with Excel models. <laughs> People love their Excel models, but they come with limitations. Like they're the biggest bottleneck for upstream companies, especially if they have PDP assets, which then get rolled up and you don't have access to those asset level assumptions that you want to change. So that's one problem that they're, they're a bottleneck. Then there are multiple other problems with Excel-based models. They're slow and bulky. There are version control issues. If someone one person is using an Excel-based model, the other, the other person generally tries to avoid entering that model. Mm -hmm. Then um, um, according to one research, 90% um, of all spreadsheets have at least some kind of an error in them. And that to us, that's a staggering number. My model is 90% of it's in error, so <laughs> yeah. I believe that. Yeah. So, you know, that's a staggering number because if, if you're making decisions worth millions and billions of dollars based on Excel-based models, and, you know, that's the research says that there could be some error in there, that's a, that's a big problem. 
And then um, if you are hiring a new team member, they have to spend a few months just getting familiar with the model that you have in-house. And the biggest problem is that the top management does not get answers to questions in real time because the top management generally does not want to open an Excel-based model and get into the weeds of things to try mm -hmm. and figure things out. So that's one set of problems. The other is, um, again, as I mentioned, there's an engineering team and a finance team. And the engineering team does their work in engineering applications, then they export that data and send it over to the finance team, right? To us, when the engineering team has done their analysis once, that's the only time that they should do it. And mm -hmm. they should just send it over to the finance team to run scenarios themselves. Yeah. But what ends up happening is that their finance team then wants to generate price tech. If they have a PDP model, they have to go back to the engineering team, request them to rerun the price tech, then do the output again and send it over to the finance. Wait, so the finance team has to send it back to engineering to apply a price deck Yes, to it? If, especially if you have a PDP asset because when you change the price deck, the end of life assumptions change. Okay, yeah. So if you need to do it yeah, properly, you need sense. to send it yeah. back. Yeah, okay. Yes. That's why I was, I was trying to work through that workflow of why would finance have to send it back to engineering yeah. to apply price decks, but yeah, it can change the so uh, if you have well. undeveloped wells only then people generally have an NAV model which you know runs standalone mm -hmm. so you can do that for undeveloped for PDP wells you have to go back yeah even for undeveloped wells you know when your pricing changes when your well goes uneconomic that changes right that means yeah. the life of your well is going to change yeah and if you don't have all of that data in your uh, uh, model itself you end up having to go back yeah yeah, that makes sense. So that's just the price tag. If you have to do production risking, again, like anything you want to change related to PDP, you have to go back to the engineering team. Mm -hmm. So that's the other problem. Uh, the finance team is independent on the engineering team for every scenario analysis that they run. And a third thing is um, me, when I was in, at an investment bank, I noticed that uh, if, you're, if, if there's a transaction, the ENP company sends over a bunch of data to the investment bank. The investment bank then builds a corporate or a model for that transaction, puts it on the VDR. And what I noticed was that that model is meant to be used as is, but all the investment companies that come in and look at that deal, they end up building their own model from scratch. Yeah, because everyone, nobody, everyone always builds their own model. Right? Yes, because yeah. nobody trusts a model built by someone else mm -hmm. in Excel because you need to you see it, like make sure it's working correctly. You'd rather just build it in your own template format. Yeah. And so if you're building that many models every day from scratch, it, even if you have a template, it takes a while to build a model. Mm -hmm. it depending on your expertise in modeling, it can take anywhere from a day to a whole week to do that modeling. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting because you made a comment and I had made a comment back in 2018 and I was telling all these VCs, I said, hey, there's some really low hanging fruit in oil and gas. A lot of $100 million decisions are made based off of Excel spreadsheets. And that was always just you know, such an easy way to like frame it. It's like, you know, I remember going to Exxon and they're telling me like, yeah, we have this uh, model. It's called Susie Spreadsheet. And some lady named Susie made it 15 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> you know, and that's like, that's Susie Spreadsheet. It's like a real thing there. Oh, that's so and um, anyways, so... You know, that, that whole um, spreadsheet model issue has always been a problem, but it's interesting to think about the dynamic between engineering and finance mm -hmm. because you have your engineering tools over here, you have your financial model over here, but there's no way to have them um, integrated yes. to where, hey, when you're changing assumptions, you're, you're getting changes yes. on both sides. So 
is that that's where y'all are trying to yeah. create the solution. Yeah, all, all of this, the biggest thing is that it just takes time to do everything and time kills all deals, you know? Yeah, so in a, yeah. in a buyer heavy market, you could lose your deal to someone else. If Especially in oil and gas where Especially, I mean, yeah. it's so vol volatile that yeah. prices can change on you at any at any point. That's exactly, another, a deal, a deal today too. might not be as good as it was, you know, yesterday. Yep. So you need to make those decisions fast and so. And for each assumption change, if you have to keep going back to another team, it's just going to add to the time required for your workflow. Yeah, yeah. yep, absolutely. So for y'all, is it agnostic to engineering tools? So yes. if engineers, you know, they're using uh, Combo Curve or PhD Win or Aries, yeah, the, does does it matter what they no, use? No, it, it doesn't matter. So the way we have built it is so flexibility was a big factor for us. We wanted to build it in a way uh, so that we people can adopt it without making a lot of changes to unrelated functions. So we don't want people to change their engineering workflow to be able to use Velvet. So right now, what we have done is, irrespective of whether you use Aries, PHDVN, Combo Curve, Novi, you can just pull all the uh, production data or the cost data into an ex a simple Excel template and bring all of that into Velvet. Gotcha. And the entire process takes anywhere between 5 to 15 minutes. Yeah, so, yeah. And largely, it's a one-time activity, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're an operating <clears throat> company, you're doing your change, making changes quarterly, you can just bring it in quarterly on a mm -hmm. quarterly basis and takes 15 minutes to do that. And then you don't have to keep going back to the engineering team. Yeah. So for y'all, you know, when you talk about taking the product to market and I know y'all have been working on this and we'll talk about that, um, in a bit, you know, just kind of, how you guys have built out the technology, you know, mm -hmm. you know, kind of getting your name out there and, you know, bringing it to the world you've been operating in kind of stealth mode. Um, but are y'all attacking, is this, made for investment banks or is it made for the corporate finance teams on EMPs? Um, who do y'all see the first market? Yeah, so, um, so um, I'd like to talk more from the workflow perspective. So yeah. um, A&D, M&A, FB&A is the three main workflows that we're targeting right now. Yeah. Um, mostly, most of the A&D and M&A work you can do in Valverse right now. Mm -hmm. um, for FPNA, um, you can build a cash-based model. Um, some of the non-cash items like depreciation is something that we want to work with teams to mm -hmm. develop those features in line with how the industry wants them. Uh, but um, you can already model items like GNA, hedges, RBL, revolver, debt investment, equity investment, and most of the stuff that people want to model. So, yeah. um, That's what so I was going to ask, you know, Modeling across these different assets and companies, I mean, is it pretty standard, the inputs across all oil and gas deals to where you can make a software like this that, you know, this is going to cover everything someone needs? Yeah, most of them are. Um, if there is some, so the good thing is that our software also has an Excel add-in, which gives you a dynamic model um, which can be exported into Excel. So it's not a hard-coded model. It's a linked model with formulae and everything. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that somebody does which is bespoke to them, um, then they're not stuck in Wellworth. Yeah. You build a model, an asset-level model or a, or a corporate model in Wellworth that you get the a whole export uh, with formulae in Excel. On top of that, if you want to build something, you can. And yeah. also, um, it doesn't take us very long to build features. Um, so if somebody, somebody says, okay, I like everything else and there's just one thing that I want to add to this, um, we love to get feedback and we've done it with a few people previously where we've built features out uh, yeah. when they've asked us to build them. And, yeah. and even before we started writing the application, right, we did a lot of research by talking to people to understand what sort of investment structures they use, how do they go about modeling it, so that we are able to understand uh, what are the var uh, various options that people like to have 
and then we build that into the application so that irrespective of how you are modeling your um, investment you can do that with a few clicks yeah yeah you know i've actually seen some startups outside of energy um that have built similar technologies for um I'm trying to think of the name of this one but it's built for uh founders and entrepreneurs like myself that don't come from a finance background and you know i start building a model it takes me two weeks and it's 90 percent errors yeah. so um but making a tool that's like drag and drop um for assumptions and mm -hmm. then you can export it into a full model so you're seeing this out in other um different uh, verticals or applications so it makes sense um here, especially if all the most of the assumptions are pretty standard across the board, how do you think um, this is kind of a it's it's not a very quantitative question, but I'm curious how people react to this type of software because I bet they almost feel some type of power with their with their model, right? Yeah. And just like you said, like everyone goes and creates their own model, so does it make them feel like oh, this is um uh, inferior technology because i'm just you know <laughs> clicking and dragging my assumptions uh, does it make them feel like that <laughs> that's a very interesting question so um literally everybody that we've shown a demo of Velvers to nobody has ever said to us like why are you doing this why are you building something like this they're always like oh, yeah there is a there is a need for something like this but but yes I, you know you have to struggle when with a if you are a new firm, you always have to struggle with the existing workflow, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So when people are used to using Excel, but the thing that I noticed when I was working in Excel, I also love my Excel-based model, right? <laughs> but when I was working on a live deal or when I had to do something, I was time constrained and I was <clears throat> I was structuring and restructuring models and I had like 15 minutes to do that. I hated doing it that way. <laughs> so, you know, you you would you could still have your own models. You could still be doing work in that. But if, you know, if you still want to double check something or if you want to do something really fast, well, what does everything in one to two hours, which you would spend days or weeks doing? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like really the value proposition to me um, sounds like time efficiency um, to one, increase bandwidth across the team to be able to do uh, more uh, with less time. But just talking about like the case of, hey, you got to go back to engineering for a price deck change. Like, I mean, that's just so much time back and forth. Whereas if you had um, a solution to where you could like adjust some things, it's like, hey, let's adjust our price deck and then boom, spits yes. out the output. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, we would have been in a spot of trouble had the value been only for the people actually building the models. But the fact is it does have an adverse effect on the decision making process. Right, because right now, if you're not able to make decisions in real time, it does affect how you. Uh, what's the best decision that you're making? Oh yeah. Even on the deal flow side, right? If yeah. you, if you have access to say a hundred deals, right, a lot of them you would chuck them out upfront because of some very clear factors, right? But then there are a lot of good deals that you let go of because you're not able to analyze them in detail. Yeah. And the fact is, you're not able to do that because it takes so much time to analyze all of that. That's what I was saying. It's like if you increase bandwidth and time, then yeah. you can do more volume, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I always think about it like. You know, from my perspective as an operator of digital wildcatters, like we don't have a CFO. So I don't have someone sitting there, you know, just hacking away at a model all the time. And we have different revenue streams in our business. And so I would love, you know, a solution built for me where I can go in there and I can like make some assumptions and boom, I can see in real time um, on our projections and uh, of cash flows. And you don't have that ability. And it's like, I got to has to go on my model and I'm not an investment banker. I'm not supposed to make models. That's not what I do. And like, 
be honest, I really don't give a shit what's in there. I just want data fed to me so I can make decisions on the yeah. business, right? Kind of like what y'all were alluding to. It's like, you don't want to go get lost in the weeds of the model sometimes. So Investment bankers are not meant to be Excel jockeys or PowerPoint folks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> They're supposed to do more value-added stuff like business development. Yeah. So this puts them on that fast track yeah. so that they can do more value-added stuff. Yeah, for sure. So that's, um, you know, I get the value proposition 100%. It makes sense to me. Tell me about how, when did you guys start working on this? What, what year? Uh, 27, I think. Uh, yeah, the idea. 20, yeah, late 2016 was when we started talking about this first. Okay. Uh, and then um, uh, when I was at Rice, Rice has the startup accelerator called Owlspark. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's when we did a lot of our customer research. We spoke to almost 50, 60 customers to understand whether this problem exists, whether this problem is worth solving. And the results were good enough that we decided, yeah, this makes sense. And then 20... Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So, because that's important because a lot of times people will make a solution that they think is a problem, right? But they're not talking to enough people to see, hey, is this actually a problem uh, for other people or a problem worth fixing? So um, getting into that product market fit um, research phase is important to see if it's worth spending your time on, right? Yeah. Talsbuck has a complete focus on exactly that element. That, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of startups fail because they end up building something that no one wants. Oh, yeah. Most and companies fail at product market fit. Exactly. Stage, yeah. So it makes sense to understand whether whatever you're getting into, is it worth it, right? Whether the problem actually, actually exists mm -hmm. or is it just in your mind? Yeah. <laughs> we spoke to all these people and, uh, you know, the, uh, the summary is... Um, a lot of these companies, a lot of these people, they are in some sort of a dysfunctional relationship with their Excel models <laughs> where uh, there are a lot, there's a lot of pain, there are a lot of pain points, mm -hmm. but there is that fear about letting go. Yeah. And uh, what we are doing is, you know, telling them it's okay to let go <laughs> and you'll be better off for it because uh, you don't want to do all that repetitive redundant work and just to get to an answer when you can get there in what, 15 odd minutes. Right? Yeah. So we spoke to all these people and we made it a point to not talk about the solution. Our focus was only on the problem to understand. <laughs> yeah, let talk, uh, talk us through your workflow. Yeah. Tell us how much time you spend on building these models. Tell us how much time you spend on, say, talking to customers or the business development side of it, right? And eventually the result was they do it and they do take pride in it, but don't really enjoy it because that's how the process <laughs> is structured, right? Yeah. So that, that's when we came up with the idea that, yeah, it makes sense to pursue this further. Okay, so 2019, uh, you graduate um, from Rice, and then you'll start actually building it and mm -hmm. working on it. Okay, um, tell me about that process a little bit. How did you guys go about actually building it? Um, and I can't remember. I know we talked on the phone. Um, can't remember if y'all raised uh, any seed capital. Did y'all bootstrap? Yeah, for, for the first um, a couple of years, we were bootstrapped completely. And then uh, last year, we raised a pre-seed round to fund us through this next phase of development. Our uh, focus right now is uh, this first cohort of customers, mm -hmm. and then we'll raise capital to build out a bigger team. Got you. Um, when y'all built it out, did y'all use capital to develop it or who developed it? Oh, we did we our did it. Okay, that's a, all right, cool. Um, it's always cool to hear hear those things. Like, yeah. uh, we found the problem solution, we built it ourselves. Yeah. And, so. and we have designed some processes which help us roll out features, good quality features, and quick time yeah. as in usually if you look at software development right your design involves using some sort of a tool to lay out all the graphics and then the techie comes in and builds out the yeah. product right you're building For everything us, because out she, yeah because she's doing the product design our design is primarily the ui built out in itself yeah and then i just come in and add in the other functional stuff cool. so it helps us build out features very fast yeah 
yeah, most product developments like, okay, let's get some designs made up of Figma and then we can send those over to the developer. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool that you guys built this in house, did it yourselves. Tell me about, um, I know y'all have a few customers you are starting to get traction. Is that correct? Uh, so we completed a, a bunch of trials recently nice. and we are ta in talks with them to sign them on as customers. Cool. And uh, in parallel, we're also building out features. So recently we built out an RBL feature. So we are reaching out to some lenders as well mm -hmm. uh, to get to that first cohort of customers. Very cool. Our goal is to get happy customers first and then think about the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> you always want some happy customers, right? Get a few happy ones and then yeah. you can start, start building. Um, what do you guys think are some of the... Uh, challenges um like i know you know some other companies uh kind of similar in the space whether it's for you know reserve forecasting or even data um you know investment banks they'll go off of embarrassed because they know that hey this is industry standard do y'all anticipate any of those problems of having a hard time getting market penetration just because you know, this is, I mean, you're dealing with reserves and finance and, you know, people are going to go get lending on this and investment. And so, um, y'all, y'all think that's a part of the challenge of getting market penetration is that it's finance related software. Um, so there's a finance team in every, every company that's related to upstream. And we see that the, the reserve side or the engineering side of the workflow has so many applications. It's, it's getting really saturated there. Mm -hmm. But the way Wellworth is differentiated is that nobody is focusing on that integrated workflow. Mm -hmm. Or even like there's no cloud-based cloud application that we're aware of or, and customers have already, like people who are doing yeah. trials with us, they've said like they haven't seen anything like this where you have automated financial statements in, in a cloud-based application and you can automate that workflow. So right now there's no direct competition out there. Yeah. So, but in the future there might be so. Yeah. Never, and even never the, know what happens Even in the, the application we have built in uh, a lot of auditability so that whenever people are going through the processes, they can look at the results and build that confidence themselves that, you know, all of this makes sense. So the people yeah. that, the companies that we have worked with, they've tested out these models and they've said, you know, they match with the Excel models that we use. Yeah. So they're doing their due diligence. Yes. And, exactly. And, and when and they do that, <laughs> they really see the difference in, okay, it took me this much time to build out the model <laughs> and I'm able to do the same thing. In well yeah, if you can back test minutes. against uh, their models and be like, yeah, we did yeah. that in, you know, 10% of the time. And then. we see that initially that's the uh, direction that the adoption would take. Yeah. As in we don't expect to people uh, to uh, expect that companies would throw out their yeah. Excel based processes overnight. Uh, and we are happy, ha happy with that. Uh, yeah. we, we want them to do that because we don't want them to say, believe in Velvet. We want them to believe in Velvet themselves yeah. based on the data that they see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's usually how uh, transition happens. Yes, right? you gotta, exactly. You got to get comfortable with it before you fully commit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you mentioned like um, uh, data providers like Inveris that a lot of people are using. Um, so Wellworth really is not in competition with any of that kind of companies. It's sort mm -hmm. of, um, it sort of integrates really well with them. So for instance, if you're using um, a software, like a product from Inveris in which, you know, you get a pre-forecasted stream of data for mm -hmm. PDP wells, you can just basically copy and paste that into Wellworth and build a reserves model yeah. in Wellworth. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think is important too, is to be agnostic to where you can Get fit within data. people's workflows and tech stacks. That way you can bring in data or bring in, you know, engineering uh, tools. So, you know, for y'all, uh, I've known y'all wanted to get on the podcast for a long time, but you're kind of staying, you know, quiet, you yeah. don't want too much uh, marketing yet, but now 
but now you're coming out to the world and saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to ship this to the, to the market. Um, you know, what's the, what's the plan for y'all, you know, let's call it over next six to 12 months. Do you go try to grow this business within cash flow? Do y'all plan on raising more capital? What's y'all's thoughts? Yeah. So we, um, we want to convert a few customers in the coming few months. And then after that, we're going to raise around, um, to build a team. Cool. Yeah, we, we laid out a process right up front about, you know, these are the milestones that we want to hit. So last year, our focus was on the beta tests where we were building features in line with the feedback that we were getting from the beta customers, mm -hmm. in line with the uh, features that they wanted to see. And now we have moved on to a trial phase where it's almost a complete product and people can just plug it into their workflows, right? So now we want to get to that set of happy customers, then raise capital to build out the next set of features. There's a lot of stuff that we want to do. And right now, the difficult decisions are, you know, what not to build yeah. rather than what to build. Which is something to be said for that. I mean, one problem is, is when you have a lot of opportunity, being able to stay focused on yeah. core features and the core part of the model and listen to feedback loops too from your customers. Because, yeah, we deal with that a lot of digital wall cutters. There's a lot of cool shit we want to do. And sometimes we just don't have the, the time, resources, or bandwidth to, to actually go pursue it. It takes so. a lot of discipline because it, it's very easy to lose focus. It's very easy to spread yourself too thin. Yeah. So it, you yeah. need to be focused on the core stuff. Yeah, that you want absolutely. To do. Especially when you're still, you know, fairly bootstrapped in the early yeah. stages, yeah. limited team, bandwidth. Like it, yeah. yeah. yeah we love to think focus. like, okay, just, just, just the two of us who've um, like finished a product. Yeah. Like imagine <laughs> what we can do with the team. Like oh, yeah. so much stuff we can build so much faster. When yeah, that's we... what Jake and I always said is like, oh, we do this with just a few of us. Like you actually have a team. Like, yeah. Think about what you can achieve then. So yeah, which is also funny. We could do a whole nother episode about this, but you think it's that easy, but then all the people come and you start getting people problems. <laughs> and like, that's, that's when, yeah. uh, that's when things get fun. So, uh, your, your problems always shift. Like you always exactly. have problems in a startup and a business. They're mm -hmm. just new and different problems. Well, so. That's how life is as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <so> for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be problems. So, okay. If someone's listening to this show and they want to check out Wellworth, where can they find y'all? What's the website? Are y'all on LinkedIn? Where are you yeah. at? So we're on LinkedIn as well, and our website is wellworthapp.com. All right, wellworthapp.com. Yeah, and my email is samra at wellworthapp.com. Vinay's is vinay at wellworthapp.com. All right, cool. Everyone's uh, feeling very liberal with their sharing of contact information today. So our podcast before this, he gave a cell phone number <laughs> on the podcast. And so I'm like, y'all are going to get spammed probably. <laughs> Hopefully not. But all right, guys, if you thought this show was interesting and you're really curious about Wellworth, it sounds really interesting to me. Um, I just think that... Uh, you know, this, this industry's always had a problem of running decisions off of spreadsheets. And it sounds like from my conversation today, one of the big problems is it takes a long time to do that on spreadsheets. And so I think Wellworth's really interesting. Make sure to check them out. Appreciate y'all coming on the show today. Of course, thank pleasure. you for having us.